Hey, Lurd listeners, would you like a free audiobook? Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ, then tag us in a tweet. Tell us the title of your favorite KMQ story, and we'll send you the audiobook of your choice from our Audible library. You are entitled to your sexual self. We encourage Lurd listeners to be playful, enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. This show is for adults only and is a hands-free listening experience. This show contains erotic stories that sometimes feature provocative characters and intense themes and situations. Please listen responsibly. Hey, hey, Lord listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is Rose Caraway, and joining me in the booth is Big Daddy Dave Caraway. Say hey, Big Daddy. Hey, what's up, everybody? COVID-19 is still up. That's ridiculous. <laughs> this whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> That's all right. We're still carrying on entertaining and bringing sexy stories to you. So, hey, man. <laughs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. We're going to be fine. We're Hang gonna in be there, fine. Loves. I know people are scared. <laughs> We're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. Just keep saying that. It's going right. to be okay. <laughs> it's like your daily okay. mantra. Uh, well, we're getting toilet paper mailed to us, so that's good. <laughs> well, we'll see. We we'll see were... when we, if it actually gets here. Maybe somebody will steal it. They'll go, oh, I know what this is, and then they're going to take it from us. Come on, man. We need our TP. <laughs> Seriously, it's getting close, and our grocery store is not. Bidets. <laughs> bidet. Big Daddy wants to get a bidet. And Have I for ag- 10, 20 years. <laughs> I agree, but... I still require toilet paper. Well, of course, you gotta <laughs> wipe that off. But it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you, you ever used one? Never. I have not. Either. Never. I've never used one yet. I've always wanted one because it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's go ridiculous. Ahead, ahead. It, I'm just gonna with my rant that my <laughs> wife has heard a million times. If you got poop on any other part of your body, don't yell at the babies. Don't yell. You, <laughs> you wouldn't just take some chintzy ass tissue paper and go wipe it off just wipe it off and be cool with that no. like there is zero, like even on your big toe soap would but be but for some reason <laughs> we get it that's cool and I just think that's disgusting it is actually physically mm. disgusting <laughs> we don't like to talk about it <laughs> that's a shh we don't talk about that plus all the waste all yeah, the toilet yeah, paper yeah. waste yes Ugh. okay <laughs> there you go sorry to gross you out <laughs> We will not be talking about poop anymore. <laughs> I don't make that promise. You know it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> well, we do have uh, something good for you. We've got another sexy freaking story for you. And this one is from a project we did a while ago. A couple, one of our favorites, A though. couple years ago, yeah. One um, of our favorites. The audiobook For the Men and the Women Who Love Them. Um, it's man. a book for both men and women. Yes, is for the ladies Well, and we titled it that because there's so few books that seemed to be dedicated to enticing the male audience. So that's really what we wanted to do because that's what our show does. So, you know, we wanted to do an audiobook with the same passion. So, um, and today's story is kind of exciting. It's adventurous. Yep. Um, It is... From from a lady who's a professional dominatrix. (laughs) Like, seriously, guys, you should go follow... Lady Pym. Like if yes. you're in if you're into that type of thing, which you should be, she's super hot and she's 
great. Yes, her name is Erin um, Pym, and she goes by Lady Pym on Twitter. Her uh, address is at the Lady Pym One. Uh, She's a magnificent lady. She's yeah. super sweet. I actually talked to her. Mm-hmm. I interviewed her over uh, back when we used to do the Sexy Librarians blogcast podcast mm-hmm. uh, when I would talk to authors. Uh, she's a sweetheart. Yeah. Really enjoyed talking with her. So today's story is her tale. And I think without further ado, we should... I have an ado. Oh, you have an ado? I have an ado. Okay, ado away. So last episode, you talked about great books, blah, blah, blah. Oh, mm-hmm. That was great. So I'm going to give you my little thing that I think is an unheralded thing that I found. Uh, Unheralded, huh? Well, the people who know, know. But the people who don't know, wouldn't know. Okay. So body storytelling, right? Many of you probably heard of the the podcast and uh, live show, which is really what it is. It's a, a wonderful live show. Rose has done the show herself. It's awesome. You guys should go check that out. But she runs a Facebook fan page. Yes. It's not even a fan page. It's more of a community. And that's what's so beautiful about this is it's a, if you're interested in a sex positive community, that's an actual community, not just like there's lots of Facebook fan pages that say, oh, we're a sex positive community, blah, blah, blah. No, this actually is a positive community based out of the Bay Area. But I think it's open to, you know, it's pretty much anyone who wants to be there can be there. You guys should check it out. It's super positive. And Dixie's done such a really good job of turning it into a community and actually looking out for those folks. Mm-hmm. Like she does posts for people all the time. Hey, we somebody can't keep a cat because of whatever situation popped up. Someone Can recently you needed face masks and a bunch of people made some. Right. And, yep. It's like that. It's one of those. So if you're <laughs> looking for positive sex positive people and fun and it's fun like super yeah fun. with jokes post all sex kinds jokes of in the middle stuff. of it yeah this is it's the perfect place for you so yeah. you know she has no idea we're shouting her out on no. this so you know go over there say Definitely. hi and um you know check check out body storytelling the facebook fan group right with dixie de la tour yeah uh, she's a fucking angel yeah. all right before our story begins Let me tell you about one of our favorite audiobooks. For the men and the women who love them. An anthology intended for the fellas and the women who have an appetite for bold, adventurous, erotic storytelling. Escape into the fantastic, the outlandish, and the literary. Get ready for a space pirate, a cowgirl, lonely ghosts, a burly biker who just wants to be cuddled, strangers and a spontaneous three-way, an anxious odd man out, and a reluctant hitman. You will find these and many more audacious characters playing out intense encounters. For the men and the women who love them. Get this sexy audiobook now in iTunes, Amazon, or Audible. Undercover Cop by Aaron Pym We're getting you in there, Sheila, the chief says over the wail of blaring sirens and a circling news helicopter's propeller. 
extra backup is being called. It looks like things might get complicated. I'm ready, sir, I say, also feeling that we need someone on the inside. The hostage taker is getting more and more emotionally unhinged. He won't let us get anywhere near the bank, and negotiations are worse than stalling. The standoff is now at a complete standstill. Except for finally getting a food order out of the guy, there have been no other demands made. The suspect has decided that he isn't answering the phone anymore. This whole thing has the potential of being a real clusterfuck. But hostage situations always are. I feel my heartbeat quicken, and a smile creeps across my face at being presented with such an exciting opportunity. It's undercover situations like this that got me interested in the police force in the first place. The chief lays out his unorthodox plan. It's so odd that he had to legally ask me to volunteer, even though I couldn't exactly say no. A woman on the front line has to always prove herself. But if this operation goes well, I will have all the guys eating out of the palms of my hands for months. When he sends her out for the food, we'll make the swap, the chief says. I understand, sir. I nod. This situation appears to be a simple bank robbery gone wrong. With the gunman refusing to pick up the damn phone, we aren't privy to anything more about his motives. For now, a background check reveals that suspect Johnny Lester is nothing more than a newly unemployed deadbeat with a history of petty theft. The mugshot we pulled makes me think that this guy only got as far as he did because of his looks. A little rough around the edges, but with an attractive, rugged quality to him. I know the type. He thinks the world owes him something. Intelligence also tells us that the hostages' heads have been covered with hoods, and their wrists are duct-taped. We're counting on the fact that the suspect has only caught glimpses of the captives' faces and won't notice our little switcheroo. A quick employee ID check using the bank's personnel database showed that I'm a dead ringer for the bank manager, Gina. And as luck would have it, she has been the one chosen as liaison for the food pickup. Since SWAT can't get any good visuals on the perp, now that he's closed all the window blinds, we can't waste this opportunity. It may be our only chance to save the hostages and apprehend the gunman. This is also my chance to finally get some respect from my peers. A commendation? Hell, maybe even a promotion. Let's make this quick. Tech's going to set you up with a wire. Are you ready? Yes, sir, I say, already removing my police badge. Just as I turn my back to follow a tech guy, the chief lays a hand on my shoulder. Remember your objective. Isolate him. Keep him busy. Copy. Copy that. I follow a tech guy to the surveillance trailer and get fitted for a small wire, but we don't risk any kind of weapon or even an earpiece. Surveillance will hear me, but I won't hear them. Fortunately, I excel at improvising. It all hinges on me, and I can't wait.
when I'm down to my bra and panties, wired for sound, we all turn to watch the primary camera, holding our breath. The seconds drag before she finally emerges. Gina, the bank manager, jogs towards us, tears streaming down her face. Two officers flank her, their weapons at the ready as they escort her to the trailer. One of the back doors swings partway open, and then Gina is assisted inside. It's then that I realize I look even more like her than I first thought, and my heart gets giddy. I greet her warmly, but talk quickly. The uniforms climb in after her and begin removing the tape from her wrists and mouth as I explain things. Gina, you're safe now. You're not going back in there, okay? I know it's hard to even think right now, but I need you to do something for me. I need you to remove your clothing so that I can stand in your place. Do you understand? She nods. Her mouth is free of obstruction, but still, she's unable to speak. I can see that shock has nearly taken her over. Quickly now. I emerge from the trailer in a minute flat, and all eyes are on me. I don't need to do much to fake the nervous energy required for this to be convincing. I'm confident in my abilities, but this plan is a long shot. The two uniforms escort me to the end of the parking lot. One officer drapes the plastic to-go bags over my freshly taped wrists, and then I head across the street. As I approach the front door of the bank, a civilian opens it. His hands have been crudely duct-taped to the inside handle to prevent him from escaping. The door closes behind me, shutting out any semblance of natural light, and suddenly I'm on the inside, my eyes adjusting to the darkness. I scan the gloomy room. Eight frightened hostages are bound, their heads covered with hoods. They're sitting on the ground against the main teller counter. The gunman stops his pacing, puts his cell phone away, and looks at me anxiously. I notice that his eyes have trouble looking in one place for very long. His hair is disheveled and his jaw is stubbled, but he's undeniably attractive. He stares at me oddly, and I start to get a little nervous, but soon I realize that that's just the way he looks at everything. His eyes dart toward a plant a moment later in the same paranoid fashion. He walks up to me, then pats me down with one hand while holding a cocked glock in the other. He takes his time, of course, especially on my ass and breasts. Immediately, I'm taking mental notes, chiefly of the groan I hear from deep in his chest. My nipples have hardened from his pawing, and at how he smiles a little when I meet his gaze, unflinching. I pretend to be shy, though, and look away, taking this opportunity to make further note of the rest of my surroundings. The bank's phones are lying in a good-sized pile in the middle of the floor, fat chunks of sheetrock still attached to their yanked-out jacks. When the suspect appears to be done fondling me, I raise my taped arms to indicate the lunch bags. He rips the tape from my mouth. I give a girlish yelp. What took so long? He asks, setting the bags of food on a nearby desk. 
Sammy's always has a line out the door during their dinner rush, I reply, cowering a little. Fucking cops. Well, it's not like we had a reservation, he jokes. I fake a small laugh, but manage to let some manufactured fear show through. He looks at me, appears to become vulnerable, then quickly retrieves his cell phone again. After another earnest look at its blank screen, he jams the phone back into his pocket. He gestures with the Glock. You, take off their hoods and untape their mouths. Him too. Let's eat. At his command, I remove the tape connecting the man to the front door handle, cringing at how much hair I'm pulling out of his forearms. I help the simpering man back to the small herd of hostages against the farthest wall and assist him to the floor. The suspect locks the door and gets away from view. I confirm five employees and four customers. Each employee's eyes bug out when they see that I'm not their manager, Gina, and I pray that the liability doesn't bite me in the ass. I hand out the sandwiches one by one. A young blonde woman, who we identified as Joyce Gaines, speaks to me in hushed tones. Are you with the police? I shake my head only slightly, trying to tell her with my eyes that everything is under control, that we are all going to be okay, and that she needs to stop talking. You've got to do something. Some of us have children, she hisses. You, the gunman shouts, and my heart jumps into my throat. Sugar tits. He gestures with the gun for me to come over, and I do, discreetly making sure the rack he mentioned bounces attractively with each step I take. He grabs my elbow and pulls me aside. Listen, he says, glancing from my eyes to my tits, and then back to my eyes again. You know I'm a good guy, right? I nod, relieved that he hasn't overheard anything. I want this to end just like you guys do. I nod again and venture a response. So did the police, I imagine. <laughs> the police. They just want to fuck this up for me, you know? He fiddles nervously with his handgun, and I don't like it. Well, maybe. I smile and take a half step closer. But I think they just want everyone to be safe. Everyone is safe. You guys are doing great, right? I got you all food, didn't I? Nine heads quickly nod. I think that counts for a lot, I say. That you're so compassionate. Inhaling deeply so that my tits rise enough to catch his gaze, I feel like we're starting to connect. He seems to inherently trust Gina. Suddenly, we hear a landline ringing from somewhere, one of the loan officer's desks. The suspect vibrates with tension and grips his gun so tightly that his knuckles turn white. I force my own panic down as he locates the offending phone and then takes aim. The last thing I want is for this guy to start getting trigger happy. No, wait, don't. Though my wrists are still taped, I put my hands up as best I can, then walk over and yank the cord out of the wall myself. The gunman grins and gives me a sandwich. We eat in silence. Dinner break's over. You, sweet cheeks. He smirks, balls up his wrappers, and then tosses the trash over a shoulder. 
He steps close. His face is so close to mine that I can smell past the turkey and avocado to his aftershave and his sweat. And then there's a warm, swirling sensation low in my belly. Tape them back up and then bring your tight little ass back over here. I beam a smile at him, then locate the roll of duct tape. I reapply a strip to each hostage's mouth, bending deeply as I do so. I carefully point my ass the suspect's way, angling my hips so that it's presented at its most delectable angle. The quick smile I send him over my shoulder forms on its own accord. The employees look at me pleadingly, desperate. Lastly, one by one, I replace their hoods as best I can. The glue from the duct tape pulls at the little hairs on my wrists, unrelenting. <laughs> the same blonde woman pleads before I quickly cover her head. I bring the roll of tape back to the perp, like a good little puppy, expecting him to tape my mouth and cover my head like the others. But he doesn't. This is good. He wants to talk. Everybody good? He asks, hopping up to sit on the teller counter. Yes, I respond, pouring on the seduction as thick as I can manage. See, nothing to be scared of here, he says, a twinkle in his eye. He grabs my arm and pulls me close. Except me, of course. He licks his lips. In his grip, I'm suddenly picturing with all too vivid imagery what this guy might be like in bed and shorten the gap between us. I let my bound hands rest on one of his thighs. I discreetly eye the gun in his lap. His thick finger is still poised on the trigger. I've got to disarm him. I nod and speak in a quiet, sweet whisper. You know, They'd probably just give you a slap on the wrist if you gave up the hostages. Fuck that noise, he says, gruffly, then sniffs a strand of my hair. But you haven't harmed anyone, I reason. If you just talk to the negotiator. It's too late for bargaining, he cuts me off. Anger flashes in his sharp blue eyes. They want to kill me, so fuck them. Fuck all of them, he grumbles, standing up and walking away. He starts pacing again, and I mentally roll my eyes and curse myself for making such a rookie mistake. I know what I have to do, but first, I need to let him cool down. Our only source of light comes through the glass front door, but as the sun sets, the bank darkens until it's nearly pitch black inside. The hostages are stone silent. Leaning against the teller counter, I switch my weight from one foot to the other, non-threateningly, watching the suspect as he paces and rambles to himself in the darkness, sneaking peeks through the window blinds. He retrieves the cell phone from his pocket multiple times, still waiting for someone to call him. I whisper just under my breath so that the ears on the outside know what's going on. 
After about an hour, I decide that it's time to bring out the heavy artillery. Would you like to sit down? I offer, patting the countertop beside me as seductively as I can with my bound hands. I brush away some of the errant receipts and deposit slips, making a nice, cozy spot for him beside me. Please? Huh? Yeah, sure, he says, coming over and hopping onto the counter again. Anything I can do? I ask, unbuttoning my blouse a bit. I trace a finger down my ample cleavage and tug temptingly. Even in the growing darkness, the baby blue lace of my bra is visible. Wouldn't you like to know? He says while ogling me. I throw on my most genuine smile. It's now or never. You know, I like the way you look at me. Really? Yeah, and you know, I've been thinking. I purr, moving my hair over to my right shoulder, exposing my neck to him, remembering that the tiny wire is taped against my right tit, not my left. I lean in so that both laced breasts are well within reach. The suspect ventures a glance at my presented orbs, and his whiskered jaw loosens. I've got him. What have you been thinking? He asks, using the barrel of the Glock to move the lace down on my left breast. My breath catches at the touch of cold metal. My throat constricts and my nipples harden despite my fear of him potentially uncovering the wire I'm wearing. I swallow, concentrate on my objective. Well, I've been thinking that you might like to take me back to my office. And, you know. Really? Mm-hmm. The gun stops moving. He looks over my shoulder. They'll never even notice we're gone. He sits there, tapping the warmed barrel of the gun against the swell of my right breast. I promise I'll be real quiet. my bound wrists slide delicately against his swollen groin. He raises an eyebrow. He inspects the hostages one more time, rakes his dark hair back, lets out a warm breath, backed by a disarmingly devilish smile that flashes in the darkness and makes my heart flutter. All right, peaches. He aims the gun at my face, traces it almost tenderly down along my cheek, then eases himself off the counter. He puts the barrel under my chin and lifts. I'm up for a quickie. With his gun at my back, I locate Gina's office. The nameplate is still on the wall, but the door's glass window has been punched in. I notice, too, that there is something dark splattered on the carpet. Blood. And I immediately wonder who it belongs to. None of the hostages in the lobby had any injuries. I struggle to keep my thoughts on the plan at hand. I take comfort knowing that surveillance and SWAT will be ready. The gunman leaves the office door open, and it makes me slightly nervous. This is it. 
I wished so badly that I had an open line of communication with the chief. Somebody. I position myself so that I'm against Gina's desk, facing the hallway we just walked down. I smile. I can still make out the bank's front door from here, even in the darkness. I knew you wanted it, he snickers, bringing me out of my head. Yeah, I was hoping you would. The suspect doesn't set the gun down. My bound hands grab the front of his shirt, bringing him closer. Any chance you can cut this tape? I might need my hands if you know what I mean. Not a chance, girly. Besides, I like you this way, he says, lifting up my skirt. I smirk and sneak a glance beyond him towards the bank's entrance as he ogles my matching baby blue panties. He stares so intently I can see the whites of his eyes, almost feel the heat of his lustful gaze through the lace fabric. I bring him in for a kiss, taking the opportunity to look over his shoulder once again. I can see the SWAT guys crouching, gathering at the front door, waiting. Now, more than ever, it's important for me to keep my cool and my suspect distracted. But his kiss is so exceptional. I have to force myself to pull back. Like what you see? I say, breathless, grateful for the desk supporting me. Oh, yeah. I've been checking out that beautiful ass of yours since you walked in here. Mmm, really? Turn around. Show it to me. I don't dare hesitate as I turn prettily and place my elbows on the desk. I hate not seeing the front door anymore, though. I peek over my shoulder, but I can't see anything from this lower position. Show me that ass, baby, he says, ripping down my skirt and underwear at the same time. My bare ass is exposed now, and I'm thankful that the tech guys don't have cameras in the bank manager's office. I would never hear the end of it. I arch my back, giving a sexy shadowed view of not only my very pale ass, but the lips of my waxed pussy, enticing the perp to continue. He smacks one bared cheek, then the other. I disguise my surprise with a soft groan. I wriggle my hips suggestively, as if I can't wait, and then my eyes dart to the Glock, still in his hand. I hear his zipper and feel the hard, blunt head of his dick. He leans forward. The hand that's holding the gun is on the desk now. The wet tip of his cock probes my opening. I slither a little, thinking that I need to spread his precum because I can't possibly be wet enough, and yet, I am. So very wet. I arch my back, toss my hair, and groan wantonly. In the back of my primal brain, I think I hear the hostages' hurried footsteps. Are they already exiting the building? But that's so fast. Come on, give it to me, big boy. Hurry, I whisper harshly, a taunt, hoping that he doesn't turn before they finish evacuating. I pour it on thick. Give me that big cock, baby. I've wanted it all fucking day. 
I feel the swollen, warm cockhead push against my hole, his calloused knuckles as he guides himself, and I tilt my hips back to help him. I want to reach between my legs to spread myself, but the tape around my wrists prevents me. I groan frustration, and he positions himself better, grabs my hip with his free hand, and then his erection pops in. Past my opening, my pussy lubricates the full length of him, all the way inside. Mmm, you are so wet. Of course I am, baby. I hazard a quick glance back. Through the window of his arm and waist, I barely catch a glimpse of the tops of several heads. The gunman starts thrusting, groaning, bent over me, his dick moving in and out of my pussy. I'm encouraged by the fact that I've been able to manipulate him so well. Feeling a surge of powerfulness, I grind my hips back against him, gripping the desk for leverage so that he can rebound and crash into me harder. This is the last good fuck he'll probably ever get, after all. The poor idiot. You got just what you fucking wanted, didn't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, give it all to me. I feel my core tighten. I could tell when I first saw you that you had a hungry fucking cunt. He punctuates each word with a hard thrust, pushing his weight against me, bending me further, splaying me out on the desk. I moan, and then the stapler, a little tray of business cards, and a cup of pens goes flying. I can't see anything now. My cheekbone and tits are pressed completely against the smooth wood of the desk. He's huffing, heaving on top of me. I lift my toes off the floor, taking every pound of pressure. He whispers against my ear as he fucks. I could tell when you first came in with dinner. Wait, dinner? I first came in, but Gina... I put my toes back onto the floor. Gina was here all day. Well, shit, he knows. You really do look like her, but I know Gina a little better than you think. He knows I'm a cop. God damn it. The fucker just had to go and ruin it. But I have to tell you, you're a much better lay. My rising orgasm is bored with the direction the conversation is taking. So I smash the back of my skull against his nose. Spinning, I send a sharp, vicious left elbow right into his liver. He's still got the glock and attempts to point it at me while fighting the pull of gravity. Blood runs steadily from his busted nose. I raise my bound wrists, ready to use my fists like a club. A shot. I hold my breath, close my eyes, stopped in my tracks, but I feel no pain. I look up to see the gunman stiffen, then crumble. Dark blood pours from a small dark hole in his back. The gun bounces from his loosened hand. I look up to see three of my peers, weapons raised. I breathe out. Someone comes in with a blanket. 
We find her, I ask, once again in my office back at the precinct. I lean back in my chair, watching the ceiling fan spin uselessly slow overhead. Gina? The chief replies. Not yet, but we will. We've got alerts out everywhere for her. Thanks, chief. I rock forward in my chair. An awkward silence follows. Gina had been the perp's inside man. Well, his inside woman. From his hospital bed, the perp confessed that Gina, the bank manager, had agreed to supply him with bank codes, schedules, and layouts, as well as one key factor to the success of the operation. That she only hit the panic button after he had already left. Thereby exonerating Gina of any involvement, as well as allow the perp to get away scot-free. But their plan was foiled by a young man, a new hire by the name of Joseph Friedman. Sadly, he was the casualty, found in Gina's office closet, right next to where the perp and I had been fucking. Joseph had hit the secret panic button and paid dearly for it. You saved eight civilians today, Sheila. That's something. Of course, I respond. And we got our man. Yes, we did. Congratulations, officer. You might be up for a medal for this. Thank you, sir. I turn my attention back to my paperwork, where I need to relay every last detail of the story our precinct concocted to preserve my reputation. Not that I care to. I'd do it a hundred times more if it meant putting away another cute sleaze bag. I pick up my pen and smile. I'm sure I can think of a few more questions to ask my perp. Get all the details, you know? Help him clear his conscience. Really settle him in for the night. Yeah, 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 hey. At the start, people doubted I would make it this far, but I'm moving them round. Everybody criticized and they hated on me, but I just stay strong. And no matter what I heard them tell me, it didn't change my mind. I'm still pushing hard, working hard daily. I'm in a race with time. I put my life on the record, always giving it effort at night. I'm always restless, this music's a life sentence. Perfecting my craft in seconds, the essences of the earth. Used to make the world turn, people earn what's not deserved. Why the weekend knocked down? Got people losing their hands. This evil's making me mad. I hope I make my father proud. Devote my life to All right, you guys. We hope you enjoyed the show. That was Undercover Cop, written by Aaron Pym, from For the Men and the Women Who Love Them. You guys can follow Lady Pym at the Lady Pym one you can follow us, too, at The KMQ. And you can follow me at Rose Caraway and Big Daddy at Big Daddy Dave. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Don't forget to leave us a sexy review. And if you do follow the show on Twitter, we are still giving away free audiobooks. Just tweet us, tag us in a tweet, let us know your favorite KMQ episode, and we'll send you a link to our library. You pick the book you want, the audiobook you want, and we'll send it your way. We're here, cool. here. We're cool like that during yeah. COVID-19. Free audiobooks for everyone. Yay! <laughs> At least until they're gone. That's right, yes. And, oof, well, there you go. 
All right, audio production by Big Daddy, Dave Carraway. The KMQ would like to thank these wonderful musical artists. Maiden, Roscall, Creo, Kai Engel, Loyalty Freak, and the feature credit song Race With Time by High Res. The KMQ introduction music by Vibich. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by For the Men and the Women Who Love Them. Everybody criticizes and they hate on me, but I just stay strong. Stupid fish. Sorry. <laughs> You're a master fidgeter. I am a master fidgeter. I'm a masturbator <laughs> and fidgeter. I can masturbate and fidget all at the oh same time. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you do, but I wouldn't classify it as fidgeting. I would classify it as oh. cunnilingus or something. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, let's be real here. That's true. I can definitely do two things at once. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs>